Welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast with me, your host, Danny Kennedy, and you're listening to episode number 29. Welcome back to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast, guys, and on this week's episode, we have finally um, got a hold of Michael Klim. Good to have you on the show, mate. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, no, sorry, I've been a bit uh, hard to get hold of, but it's good to finally make it and good to chat to you. Yeah, so today, um, guys, what we're going to cover is a little bit of health and fitness, obviously um, a bit about MK's swimming career, uh, but also life after professional sport and um, a bit of the entrepreneur business side as well. So, um, Klimi, we'll start off the episode. Um, I'll get you to tell us a little bit about your professional um, swimming career, kind of where it started and um, what you achieved throughout your career. Yeah, sure. Um, look, I was a representative on the Aussie swim team for nearly nearly 13 years. I uh, went to three Olympic Games with my first one being uh, uh, being the 96 Olympics, I made my first Aussie swim team in 95, went to Atlanta, Sydney probably being the highlight in terms of my success domestically, um, and then finished off with uh, with Athens in 2004. Probably my, my best year or the two years of my career was 97 and 98. I broke my first world record in 100 metres butterfly in Brisbane at the trials for Worlds. Went 52.15, um, broke Dennis Pankratov's world record, and then went on to win the world title uh, a few months later uh, in in Perth in '98. So that meet was probably my breakthrough meet where I won seven medals, um, four gold, two silver, and a bronze, uh, and I won my second world title in the hundred in the 200 freestyle as well. So yeah, I guess um, you know all all throughout my career, I broke about 21 world records. Um, both, both in relays and individually. So, um, look, it was a great honour to be on the on the Aussie swim team. Um, I was one of the. Uh, I was making up the numbers when when you had people like Ian Thorpe, Grant Hackett, Kieran Perkins, Susie O'Neill, Samantha Riley, Patricia Thomas, Libby Trickett, Liesl Jones, Daniel Kowalski. <laughs> you know, the, the names just keep going. So, it was just such a great group of guys, and um, there was yeah, everyone was on the same path everyone had same values everyone was you know there's no you know everyone was kind of leading by example so it was a real great group of people yeah and obviously you love the sport but was that was swimming something that you'd always wanted to do growing up was that pretty much the only sport you focused on or was there anything else early days well for me I was always very active um growing up I learned to swim probably the same time I learned to walk so I was very much a, a water baby from from the word get-go and uh, look, I had a pretty interesting upbringing where we moved around the world a lot because of my dad's work commitments and swimming was became something that kind of remained constant while a lot of things around my life changed like languages and schools and friends and um, so yeah, so I sort of, you know, it was one thing that I sort of used to fall back on as something that was kind of my little safety blanket sort of thing but uh, um, yeah, I was definitely more athletic than anything and, and I still... The fact that I played a lot of tennis and basketball and water polo, surf lifesaving, I kind of tried to use that to my advantage in uh, in the pool. And you could probably tell by the, the type of stroke I had, the straight arm recovery. Yep. Also with my butterflies, quite dynamic. I developed the underwater stroke as well. So um, yeah, I was certainly, um, I was very much into, into, into sport from a very early age. 
Evan, you've just got back from the Olympics not long ago. You're over there um, in Rio. How do you think the um, future of Australian swimming is looking at the moment? Look, I think it, the future is great. I think we've obviously had some amazing swimmers come through with with gold, obviously with Kyle Chalmers winning the Blue Ribbon event and the 100 free and um, probably upsetting you know, our favourite and Cameron McAvoy, who we all expected was going to probably pick up a couple gold medals. And then Mac Horton winning the 400 freestyle in a great race with Soon Young, um, who probably we expected him winning the 1500, but he delivered in the 400. So they were the two young bloods that have come through. Uh, and we're probably a little bit disappointed with the Campbell sisters that, you know, both Bronte and Kate were Bronte coming off the world championship title, Kate being in form, breaking the world record two months prior to the Olympics. I was expecting those girls to come away with a few more individual medals, but um, they did win the 4x1 freestyle relay, but I think overall between Mitch Larkin, the Campbell sisters, Emily Seabom and Cameron McAvoy, there's probably a few medals that went missing. I think that we've come a long way since Kazan, since the World Championships and the culture and the teams change and they're definitely on the right track, but um, there's a few medals that probably went, went missing. Yep, 100%. Now, moving on a little bit, how, how old were you when you retired from professional racing? Oh, I retired a couple of times. I, uh, I, like most swimmers, they, or most athletes, I retired for the first time in 2007 at the age of 29. Um, and just after the World Championships here in Melbourne at Royal Labour Arena where they put a temporary pool there. And I had a pretty bad year and I you know, just qualified for the relays and really wasn't enjoying the sport. I had come off a pretty pretty tough trot i had a reasonable come off games here in melbourne um winning some individual medals but then just never never reached the heights that i that i got in 1999 2098 so um i sort of started after those injuries i just you know i wasn't really enjoying the process which for me was the whole reason why i was training was just to you know the journey and and then obviously going through the ups and downs of the preparation but that was part of the the drive for me the process of getting ready and that was something that I was you know I was missing sessions and if, if as soon as you you come to nine out of ten sessions you know you're, you're behind the eight ball because everyone else is doing probably one extra mm. so um yeah I retired for the first time and then um, and then, yeah, I, I still stayed very fit. I, you know, it's, fitness is a big part of my everyday routine, and I, I stayed in reasonable shape. And um, you know, did some different things like some adventure racing, some open water swimming, some cycling, dancing with the stars. Kept me pretty fit. <laughs> and um, it's a joke, by the way. But um, and uh, yeah, so I, I sort of uh, you know decided in two or oh, two thousand and ten that I was going to just put 18 months of fairly solid work and see what level I could get to, which in hindsight was pretty reasonable. I got to a little bit quicker than what I retired at in 2007. So, um, and that was at, you know, at the, at the age of 34, 35. So it proves that you can get to a pretty, mm. pretty good solid level. Unfortunately, or unfortunately for me, but fortunately for Australian swimming, there was a couple of guys, James Magnuson, Cameron McAvoy come on the scene, James Roberts. So they've moved ahead and, um, and they were swimming some superb times. It was actually the same level to make the Aussie finals, what it did the, almost the Olympic finals. So I missed out on the spot, but um, I enjoyed the, the journey and um, it got me out of changing nappies. So that was another bonus. Bonus. 
And how did you find the transition going from being a full-time professional athlete to then, I guess, going back to, I guess, normal life compared to what you were used to anyway? Oh, look, I think it's... It's definitely something that you see a lot of um, professional sports people struggle with is going from a full-time kind of everyday commitment to mm. then being just left yeah. to their own devices. So, you know, I think people talk about elite sport as being so demanding and, you know, you have to sacrifice so much, but... I've, I kind of found that elite sport or professional sport for me was quite simple. You know, you have, you have, you know, professionals working for you and with you and almost you get things handed to you on the platter from, you know, your nutritional needs, your, your recovery, your massage doctors, everything. So you're, you're very structured, very organized. You've got people, you know, at your beck and call and um, so, and it's a very simple mindset. And I think it's, you know, you basically live just to produce one one outcome and you're kind of in in the driver's seat you're controlling everything um and it's a pretty simple existence i think but then you know the transition into normal everyday life where you can't spend four or five hours exercising you have to go to work you've got family commitments you still have to look after yourself there's other pressures i think that for me that was much more complicated and much harder to deal with when I was, you know, living in Institute of Sport, I wouldn't even know how to post a letter. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, you get people doing everything for you. So it's sort of um, just, yeah, just becoming part of normal society and being proactive and, and doing things for yourself, either starting your own business or getting, edu- getting an education or whatever it might be. So, and, you know, there's a lot of athletes and I struggled a little bit in just to find their identity because, you, you know, forever, you know, I still get recognized as a swimmer, but... I'm no longer that person anymore, you know. Obviously, that's my past, but I can't rely on that. Mm. So, um, you have to try and forge your own, you know, path forward. Yeah, for sure. And you mentioned before health and fitness is a massive part of your everyday life mm-hmm. uh, since you finished swimming. What type of training are you doing currently and is there anything kind of in particular that you like to work on or...? Oh, you know, DK, you you train me most of the time and you know what I enjoy. I still... I still like to really push myself every now and again. I think there's no better feeling when your eye, eyeballs are about to pop out of your head. So, um, and you know that that level of exhaustion is, I think, is a little bit addictive. And I like, um, I sort of, yeah, I tend to probably do, you know, two of those hit sessions a week. And um, if it's if it's mixing a high level sort of intensity workout with, you know, some strength. But um, and then you know, it's for me swimming now is more of a um, recovery meditative type of training where I just go to use it as as really as relaxation um, and occasionally you know a bit of cycling or some other group sort of sessions if it's boot camp or whatever whatever something like that so I really vary it I don't have a I don't have a routine as such um, and it really depends on also my injuries and aches and pains so I think you know and also because I'm traveling so much I just try to um, you know, put my body under different stresses where it's adapting at different times. And um, I'm not really training for anything. So, you know, I like being outdoors. And if it's, you know, like we did, we just went for a jog just then. Yep. If it's jogging or surfing or cycling or doing a group session outdoors or even getting, you know, smashing it in the gym, I enjoy that too. So um, I think variety is the key and then consistency. So um, I think it's, you know, trying to make sure I don't have too many days off. And and even if it's a half an hour jog, um, it's still something that, that is worthwhile doing. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, and clearly, as a professional athlete, nutrition is extremely important. But so so is um, nutrition. Just you know, in everyday life, how how important do you think it is to stay on top of your nutritional intake? But also, what do you find the hardest? Um, thing considering that you are having to travel so much yeah. you've got so many you know um, social events and stuff you need to be yeah. at yeah I must say for me probably nutrition has been the hardest thing to, to manage and because as you know I'm probably still used or I like to eat probably the same volumes and, and the type of food I used to when I was training and, and you know swimming for four hours a day and uh, you know burning so many kilojoules whereas now I think um, you know also with with traveling it's a little bit tricky sometimes trying to eat well and um, I'm not great at planning with my nutrition so it's just trying to keep keeping a few simple rules one for me is is trying to eat fresh as, as often as I can but that, not, not great at that um, portion control as well uh, again I, I tend to overeat so try and remind myself not to not to uh, overeat when I don't have to um probably staying off the grog um or moderating that i think that's another thing that can uh can easily uh you know get the better of us um and then just minimizing some of the you know the processed foods which um you know if it's lollies or simple carbs etc which again um i tend to enjoy too so as long as you can you're aware of it and try and do the best you can um yeah i think that those are sort of the rules that i'm you know try and abide by at the moment even when i was swimming it was still pretty simple it was about timing of meals it wasn't really cutting anything out Mm. it was more about making sure you're getting the right right carbs right proteins you know within half an hour to an hour after training having you know really good balance diet you know obviously protein was key we're eating up to 200 grams of protein a day so you know, spacing that throughout the day and supplementing that through shakes or, you know, different mm. type of means. So, um, yeah, there was, you know, people think that elite elite sportsmen have super sophisticated diets. I, I tend to just disagree with that. It's, it's just, it's really basics, simple, basics is, yeah. you know, keeping it fresh and um, just timing healthy food. That's that's kind of the key. Yeah, and like I say on a lot of my social media stuff and I've said it on the podcast before is that, everyone's nutritional intake and and, um, rules that they kind of follow should be the same. It's just the the actual amounts and stuff that are are changing around. Um, You know, like my diet will look exactly the same as someone that's wanting to just get get fit or someone that's wanting to lose a few kilos or um, even someone that just needs to improve their their all-round general health. Even if I'm getting ready for a show or or an athlete or someone's getting ready for competition, it should be the same, just the intake, the actual intake is... uh, slightly different so i want to move on to a little bit more um business now so you've obviously got um milk and and clim at the moment so when did the idea of milk come about and what was the process of getting that up and running well it's probably um there's a couple of things that sort of got me into it uh being a swimmer i've always you know swimmers always have to kind of look after the skin being being exposed to chlorine all the time and swimming outdoors we've always had to protect our skin and you probably see majority of the swimmers walking around with either green hair and really dry skin. So it's something that for us is quite normal and we, you know, we didn't need too much convincing. But there was certainly a lack of Australian-made products for Aussie males around when I was sort of getting closer to my first retirement. And so, I, yeah, obviously I decided to create my own range for Aussie blokes and, and position it in, a, in an area where they would, wouldn't feel... Um, 
you know, I wouldn't be apprehensive about, about buying it so or ashamed for buying skincare because it's um, really just I wanted to create sort of everyday basics at an affordable price and um, they could buy it at, at the you know local supermarket or pharmacy and and that was the whole idea of it with a you know pretty strong Australian heritage designed for the Aussie Aussie climate and and the harsh Aussie um, conditions so uh, yeah, so we started with a men's men's range in 2008, followed by a natural baby's product and recently some women's products as well in a small nutritional sports range of protein snacks. Um, and yeah, so it's grown, you know, we've, we're in about 3,000 shops around the country at the moment and uh, from Coles, Woolies, Chemist Warehouse, Priceline. So it's quite readily available, which I'm really, you know, proud to say that the the, and the Milk & Co brand and now the men's range is called Klim by Milk & Co. Yeah, has ex- expanded and um, and I think it's becoming a fairly um, a household name within the Australian uh, home. Yeah, you've done an awesome, awesome job. And obviously with the background that you had coming from being a professional athlete and like you said before, kind of everything has been almost done for you in regards to outside of swimming and training. Did you have or did you have to kind of find any business mentors um, when you did when you did make the decision that you wanted to to start up Milk and Co? Yeah, definitely. So I, you know, again, I had no idea about retail. I had no no sort of no tertiary education in 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 this sort of field, um, no marketing experience. I've, you know, obviously, I've been involved with brands where I was um, used to market and promote brands, but um, you know, I never on the other side of it. So. I kind of learned on the job and unfortunately I made a few costly and very expensive mistakes along the way and um, luckily there were, it was only at the beginning because, you know, the stakes get higher as the business grows so I wouldn't make some of them again, hope. But uh, yeah, so it's certainly, um, look, but it's, as you go, as you become more knowledgeable and the business grows, I think, um, you know, I definitely uh, used to fall back on some and and you know talk to people that experience, were experienced in that field and um, not necessarily always in in skincare but just retail and business in general there's some fundamentals um, like that I, I neglected from day dot and some of them were you know making sure your financials are in order your books etc so those you know I was I was kind of going a lot of the time on the hunch and 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 an idea and and a, and a gut feeling whereas unfortunately when you're investing um, money that you've saved for the entire life you have to go on more than just just your gut so um so yeah i've had to sort of get a better understanding of finances being able to read P&Ls and balance sheets and um working on cash flows etc those were the things that kind of turned my business around and then building building the right team of people that's something that i could definitely you know you we talked about the people that were supporting me and and getting the best best out of myself in the pool was the same sort of scenario imply, applies in the business sense so you know i try and have you know the best cfo in the business the best marketing expert best head of sales best logistics op- operations person so building experts in every different mm-hmm. area very similar to where i had you know, the best physiologist, best coach, best masseur, best doctor. So, um, and ultimately everyone's, you know, has the same goal in mind, different areas of expertise. And when you put these, you know, the people together, you can get a really good outcome. So, um, so that's another fundamental thing. Uh, the other thing that I've applied from swimming was that, you know, I was always very analytical in, in my sport and, um, I used to study myself and the opposition and, 
and log everything. And I think that's something as as a business grows, you sort of tend, you learn about yourself a lot more. So, you know, I applied that as well to, you know, we, we, you know, we get as many numbers and study those. And so we can get, we can make educated decisions if it's developing your products or if it's investing money in certain marketing activity or if it's, um, you know, or even product development, etc. So um, that's another thing. And then, and then, yeah, ultimately, just developing that, developing that sense of purpose that I talked about at the beginning of the, the show. That you know, there's some kind of a drive. So there's got to be a passion um, behind it. So most, you know, I think I've, I've built a pretty good team where they all um, are on the same path as well. Awesome. And for those listening, if you've listened to previous episodes with um, other people I've chatted to um, who have started their own company or business and stuff, you'll probably start to see a bit of a reoccurring theme with all their responses. Um, obviously, team building, um, get, you know, working closely with everyone, knowing your why, having a purpose and setting mm. specific goals. I didn't is, even uh, know that, mate. So there you go. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> so there's a, um, a reoccurring thing that's coming up. Um all right, Clemmy, do you have any rituals or, or morning routines that you like to stick to, whether it be, you know, just to kickstart your day or... Besides going to the toilet at 6.04 every morning? <laughs> no, that's... <laughs> I'm very regular like that. Look, I, I, do, I do meditation. So I do a little bit of meditation. If it, Sometimes if I don't get it done first thing in the morning, I tend to... I, I tell everyone that I'm going for a drive in the car and park my car in the, in the park in Richmond and, and do 15 minutes of meditation every day. Um, it's a good way just to clean my head and a lot of, a lot of the time it's between 1 and 2 o'clock when I'm sort of starting to get over it. So it just re- refocuses my, my, my thoughts and just clears my mind and I can get on with the day. Um, rituals, I don't know. if I, I used to have a lot of rituals. I was very... Uh, <laughs> I was a little bit OCD when I was swimming and I had to always have a brand new suit for every single race and new strap and it had to be folded the right way and all these sort of things. I've become a little bit more relaxed now. Um, so, yeah, um, I don't have too many, but um, it's very hard to have rituals when you've got three kids and, and doing all that traveling, sort of, traveling yeah. all that sort of stuff. But, um, yeah, try and be. I'm trying to be more organized. <laughs> Awesome. And before we wrap it up, what's uh, what's the plan for Michael Klim in the near and um, distant future? Uh, look, I think obviously for us, this focus is still to keep developing Milk & Co. And, you know, I feel we're, we're on a really good path at the moment where the business is finally getting recognized and, you know, the brand is, is you know, kicking some goals and people are sort of trusting in the product and, um, so yeah, definitely my energies will be put into that. And from a f- fitness point of view, I'd um, w- working with you continually, and maybe we should run the New York Marathon in 2017. Started tonight. Um, that was a very slow 10k. <laughs> we need to pick it up. But um, yeah, I think I, you know, physically, um, you know, there's nothing like a like a like a cover photo shoot that can get you motivated. So hopefully, I can get one of those in the next year or so, so we can get another body transformation shot happening. So yeah, I don't really have anything in mind at the moment from a fitness point of view, but uh, um, consistency will be the key. Awesome. Well, thanks heaps for coming on um, the show today, mate. And we'll we'll hopefully chat again in the near future. Thanks, mate. Um, anything else you want to finish off with or? All good. Oh no! I'm, I'm, look, I've I've enjoyed working with you, and um, your guidance has been 
tremendous when obviously not only getting ready for shoots and stuff but even just um, getting when I'm traveling and sending through the sessions and um, just some simple advice even for someone you know I've been obviously in this game myself for you know 20 odd years but um, it's good to get recalibrated rebalanced and some fresh ideas so thank you for all your help uh, in the last few years and I'm looking forward to a few years to go definitely thanks for listening guys uh if you enjoyed the episode uh please do leave a review and rate the podcast and don't forget to subscribe i'll catch you guys in next week's episode where we'll actually be talking uh about meditation so make sure you tune in uh